Thank you so much. Um, I'm John, and this is Ash, and and we're so grateful to be here. We we do know that God loves broken things. He sees beauty in brokenness, and broken places, and broken people. Um, God is the great redeemer, and so um, this generous God that we serve has been so faithful to continue to complete the good work He began in us. He got a hold of us and he began to work this work out in us. And, you know, I, I think about this room. It's the most smart, successful, sophisticated people I've ever seen. I wondered how we would fit. We're crazy people. How do you fit in a group this smart? And I don't know if some of you feel like this, but it's like, wow, everybody's smarter, faster, better. But then I just know that the same God that loves us and is working this thing out in us is working it out in you somehow. And, um, it's, it's interesting because I realize sometimes you'll look at us, you go, wow, they're amazing. And then other times you're going to go, they're so dumb. And it's both true. We're kind of under construction. You need to wrap the yellow paper around us because we're work in progress. And we're, we're asking God, what would you do with, with people like us? And so, you know, God saw beauty in our brokenness. And in in, in he, you know, he has written on the tablet of our heart the redemptive words that he does. And and that lens is how we see the world. We, we see the world through a redemptive vision which has empowered us to make an impact. We feel we're stewards of 10 square blocks in our city. That that spot is what God wishes us to watch over and to bring his glory in that little place. And uh, that's been the start of it. And then the amazing thing, God would take us and then allow us to begin to help other cities so now we're going into other cities, and since we've been faithful in our little place, God's allowed us to go into other cities and say, there's hope for your city. It can be amazing. It can be sustainable and beautiful. And that's the power of God, to be faithful in the lives of those who will show up. Show up every day and do the work that it takes to, to, to put hands and feet to this amazing God we serve, extravagant God. And so I want to ask to tell you a little minute about growing up in the little town where living in called Opelika. And we say, hope you like to remember it. So if you had trouble, remember it. Hi, I have actually been married to this wonderful man for 25 years now, and he is a Georgia boy, which um, before I met him, I said I would never, ever marry a Georgia boy, um, literally two weeks. But I grew up in the wonderful town of Opelika. Actually, I grew up in a community called Pepperell Village. And Pepperell was a village that was um, built around a Pepperell mill. And most of y'all have used Pepperell towels and sheets and things like that. So I grew up um, with a family that just had mill workers and in a community that had hardworking people in it. Um, this community had its own school. It had its own post office. Um, we just were a very tight-knit community. Um, I never really knew I grew up poor. Um, I didn't know that, you know, I grew up on the other side of town until I had to leave my community and go to a different school and, um, you know, was taunted for that a little. But growing up, I grew up in a place that I was taught to pay attention, taught to serve. Um, we very much served one another with our yards, with, each, um, with, uh, with the families. And so coming out of that and going into an area that, um, of going to different schools and everything and seeing people not caring for others was really hurtful to me. Um, later in life, um, let me take it back, I'm sorry. Being a young girl, I didn't get to go to downtown Opelika very much because that's where the wealthy people hung out. They got to go get their shoes and their dresses there and things like that. So my grandmother would take me once a year to get an Easter dress and a pair of Easter shoes, and it was a really big deal to me. So downtown Opelika was like New York to me. I mean, that was the biggest experience I had ever had, you know? 
And so um, whenever John and I got married, we actually could not afford to buy anything except for this one house that um, he can share with you about that. But we bought it right near downtown Opelika. And when we bought that house there, the downtown was not as I remembered it. It was a place where no one would go, where people were scared to take their children, where um, the police wouldn't even respond to a call if something was wrong. Um, it was just buildings were falling down. It had lost itself. It had lost its heart. It had lost its story. And it was so sad. I would tell John, I was like, there's so many times I can remember coming here. I can remember what these buildings look like. What has happened? And, um, and then later on, we got to experience our marriage actually going through that same situation of, in the beginning, it was so wonderful and so beautiful and so, you know, extravagant, it seemed. And then the same thing, it was broken and it was torn apart and it dilapidated and no one cared, you know, it lost its heart. It lost everything about it. And so now we're in a place where God has used our story of what he did for us and being a generous God and we've had the opportunity of allowing that to flow through us to impact our city. And now we've brought beauty back into that broken place. So it's interesting, it kind of started at the end to go back, the financial and money uh, aspect of our life and marriage struggles. You know, we got married young. Um, Ash was 20, I was 21, and, and you're so stupid at that age. <laughs> and so we get, we get married and we have a child, you know, um, so my ashes, we get married and then she's on birth control and like eight months, nine months later, we have a child and I think, oh my goodness, this stuff doesn't work. 99% effective, you know? And I was like, oh my goodness, this, this doesn't seem like a bait and switch. So we've got a child, we're idiots because we don't know what we're doing. Nobody gives you manuals to get married. You don't know you marry the family too and everything else. There's a lot of complicated stuff happening. So we, we get married, we're very young, and, and, and I, I won Ash through false advertising. And a lot of you men will understand this. You tell them, you're gonna be my world, I'm gonna do, you're the focus of everything about my life. Oh yes, I love going to sleep on the phone and all this kind of stuff. Well, the minute we're done, it's like, check, we're moving forward. And so then, then I made a mistress out of money and success and started chasing that with everything I had. And remember, if you lead your family in a way that doesn't honor God, you're not going to like the reward you get. And so within two or two and a half years, and I'm bad on dates, we were at the very end of ourselves. We were in business a million and a half dollars in debt, $99,000 overdrawn, and going through a divorce, fighting for custody of our son, and I was a drug addict. And so at the very end of ourself, I got to the place where I no longer wanted to live. And the lie of the enemy is that he, he wants to take you out. He's telling you, uh, get out of here. And God's going, no, I want you to lay down your life. And so at the very end of myself, God touched me and transformed me, did an amazing work. And, and love got past the fence. And, and, and if you ever want to know what will change an addict is get addicted to the right stuff. We're all supposed to be addicts. We're just addicted to the wrong stuff. You get addicted to Jesus, it'll change the deal. You know, he, he loved me when I was the worst. And so million and a half dollars in debt, $99,000 overdrawn. God begins to work on us and say, I want you to walk this out. Your marriage is overdrawn and your life's overdrawn. So God got a hold to me. And when I told her, I said, I got saved. And she's like, you're a liar. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I just got saved. And she said, I'm a liar. And so she didn't believe it. So, uh, so I said, no, I'm seriously, I did get saved. And she's like, I don't believe it. You're a liar. So 
it took us a little while walking through this for God to reconcile our marriage and begin to teach us to love one another again. And, and, it, and it is hard because I had wondered through this false advertising. I think about our, our, our oldest, who was, when he was 10, he looked at her and he said, Dad, how did you get Mama? <laughs> I was like, how did I get Mama? He's like, she's so hot and you're so not. I said, oh my goodness. I said, focus on sales, son. It's a big part of this thing if you're going to get a great lady. So it really was tough, but then to be a good husband's a whole different ball game. So this struggles, we were in this money and, and, and marriage problems, but God began to work with us. I mean, I remember us going to this big church and we were there in the Bible study and we got up in there. We don't know anything, you know, we're fighting all the way to church and they're like, any prayer requests? We're like, oh, us, 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 us. They're like, oh yeah, y'all new folks back there. I was like, hey, we cussed each other all the way to church. We're going through a divorce. Can y'all help us? They're like, oh my God. I was like, we wasn't supposed to say that, baby. It's like, the next verse is like, uh, my cousin's toe in Idaho's hurting. And the next verse is like, unspoken. I'm like, oh God. So I didn't even know you wasn't supposed to say that stuff. I was hurting so dang bad. I wanted some help. And they, uh, so, but God knew that because he wanted us to comfort others with the same comfort we had been comforted with. People come alongside us and said, God has got a plan for your life. If you'll trust him, he'll do something with you. And I thought we were junky. We weren't worth anything. And I want to tell you, if you take our financial statement to the bottom and look at what net worth, you need to put Jesus because that's what people like us cost. God loves broken things. And so he had a great plan for us and he, he, he brought us along and we worked our way out of that debt, repenting one check at a time. And you know, when we got to zero, we were like, zero, yes. I mean, we thought we won the lottery, but you know, there's something worse than having, having zero and that's a million and a half less than zero. So, so God, God loves crazy people. He really does. And, and he just wants to do something great if you'll let him. If you can just get out of the way and say, God, just do something with me. Make something burn in my belly. And so that, that little place of Opelika burned in our belly until we took everything we had. I remember saying, baby, we don't have any money, but that can't stop us. Are you kidding? God wants us to save our city. And so in this amazing God that he would let crazy people do something and bring great people into your life. So he brought Jess and Angela Carell into our life. And, and when I met Jess, oh, I'm telling you, me and Ash sat there and he said stuff that only me and Ash and God had been talking about and told us about generosity and told us about handling money and handling life and our, our gifts in a different way. And our hearts burned within us and we grabbed hands and committed to things to turn our whole life upside down. Because I'm telling you, the best seasons of my life started meeting somebody. So did the worst ones. But meeting Jess was the best. He's, he, him and Angela have loved us and changed our lives forever. And it just seems like life is more caught than taught. You know? It, 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 when you get around it, you catch it. And so my first generous giving experience, and then I'll hand it over to Ash. Our oldest son came, came first when Jess and Angela invited us, my son and I came, and he was there and he said, Dad, these are happiest people I've ever met in my life. I thought, he's right. And so he had a, he, he decided he was going to have a jog at our house without telling us. And so like three days before the jog, he's like, people are flying in here. We're having a jog at the house. I was like, 
oh my goodness, what are you, what's a jogging? What are you doing? But you had to feel great about your, your son at 20-something doing something like that because one of my mentors always said, you can't fool kids and puppies. And I'm telling you, this message, you can't fool kids and puppies. It's the real deal. So the first time we met um, Jess, we actually met him before we got to meet Angela, which she's such a wonderful blessing. But um, he's like Kramer. I don't know where he is in here, but he is the funnest person in the world. It was like a snowstorm had hit Kentucky. We're standing there. We're not prepared for that. We're, in, we're from Alabama. Like we have no warm clothes. So anyway, we're in Kentucky. It's the coldest time of the year in history or something. And here he comes sliding up in his truck, literally skidding on ice, jump in, let's go. And so we drive around looking at this city that he and Ange have stewarded. And it was amazing that we met these two crazy people that were so much like us. And we're like, how are you doing this? Not, not the money, but there was something different that you could see. And what we saw was that true generosity. We saw someone that cared, someone that said, hey, I, I'm not walking past that. I'm not going to act like I didn't see that. And whether that was a person or a place or an, a thing, I mean, it didn't matter to them. Uh, John goes on walks with Jess, and you have to take your um, a bag to pick up trash because you're going to pick up a lot of trash with Jess because he cares, you know? And so I think that my first impression of Jess was I have met what the potential of a true godly man can be when he gives his life over to being generous as God has been to him. And then meaning Ange, well, she was just, or Angela, she was just the icing on the cake. And so my first exposure to generous giving was the second time that they went. So they came back all pumped up. I had done the jog. I think I deserved the little running man on my tag, not my son, um, only because um, I found out two days prior and I, I think I pulled it off pretty good, didn't I, LaDonna? Yeah. So, but anyway, I, I loved it. I could not believe that people would travel from so far to come and be exposed to learning about being generous. And it, it just seemed like it should be common. That should be something that is a given when you're a God-loving person, right? And so whenever I saw that, it, my heart was so touched. Coming to the first generous giving out in San Diego, um, I mean, I was just blown away. I, it's just like looking at you now. I, I'm, I'm a little bit intimidated being up here in front of all of you. You've, you're all such quite amazing people. I don't know if you really realize how amazing you are, but this is, this is fantastic. And to be able to tell your story of what God's done for you and to be willing to say, all right, God, how will you use me? That's a gift that's only, it's a privilege that the world hasn't got to see yet. And so my first exposure was because I look for beauty and hospitality. That's how I, I give my gifts away is um, I watched you, how you behaved with one another and how you spoke to each other, how you spent time with one another. And it was like family. And, and, and I, I'm just blown away. How does this many different people come together in so many different walks of life from so many different places and have that same common heartbeat? And it was just fantastic. And so I felt like I was at home. And so I got to come back home this time and see you guys again. So I'm going to give it back to John. He's a lot more fun than I am. So as, as we kind of land the plane, a good marriage, you know, a lot of guys don't know what a good marriage is. And it's, it's not, it makes sense, but it's not common sense. It's not easy. You know, I thought she liked me to pinch her on her backside and tell her she's pretty. And I thought, hey, that's a good thing. And she's like, I don't like that. And I was like, Really? quite surprising. So <laughs> yeah, we just keep having trouble. And I'm like, well, 
she's like, well, if you would just be like romantic, I was like, can you uh, send me a list of what that looks like? She's like, that takes the romantic out of it. I was like, this is so complicated. <laughs> but, but God began to work with me because God loves nuts and we are nut magnets. They come out of the woodwork. Crazy people love us. And God's given us the ability to help reconcile hundreds of marriages from brokenness because we, we were reconciled. But not only are we just together, everything I've ever dreamed of in a woman I found in that lady right there. And I tell you, I got eyes for one lady. I'm crazy about her. And, and that's God. God is good when it comes to marriages. And a good marriage is a generous marriage where you love one another. But you got to learn how to love. So my favorite question was, ask Ash, so we're just starting to reconcile. We kind of hate each other, living in two rooms in both ends of the house. It's not going that good. And uh, people are like, oh, watch out, they're coming. These crazy folks, the church people run like crazy. Now, nuts wouldn't run, but church folks would run because they're like, they are so messed up. <laughs> so, so I asked her, though, I came to her and I said, if I could show you I love you in just one way that I'm not currently doing, what would be the number one way? Not 10, because you know ladies have got 10. I said, number one way I could do something to show you I love you. She said, don't throw sweaty socks on the floor inside out. I hate it. I said, no problem. I said, you'll never pick up another one. I said, every time you look in that laundry basket, you're going to know that this guy's crazy about you. And so I say, oh, we, we rebuilt this life on sweaty socks. That God might let me love my wife through sweaty socks. It's a powerful thing. That's, that's what God does. He does good things. And so I received, I learned as, as, as I was walking with God and being around great godly men, I started looking at this idea of love. And if you're going to be generous, you, 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 you've got to give love away. But what if you don't have any? And so I said, this, God is love, this patient, kind, long-suffering, no records of wrongs, hopes all things, believes all things. Trust. Oh my goodness, that's a high jump bar. I can't do this. And, and I just felt that's how I'm going to be to you. Now go give it away. And so you don't want to be the Dead Sea just taking it in and not putting it out. You know, that's spiritually constipated. <laughs> you you got to, guys, if you're going to take it, receive God's love and give it away. And for us, loving our little city is to come in there and work on those houses, build businesses, love people, stand beside them. And, and make that amazing God who loves people like us visible. And if they don't see something different about us, we didn't do it. I say, if they don't want what you got, you got to wonder what you have. People ought to know I love Jesus and something's radically different. And for us, that's, that's our thing. So as Ash shares a generous, her idea of a generous marriage, we're going to wrap this up. We're so grateful for you guys that you would... Would, would take the risk of letting crazy people up here, broken people, to share their story about how, how generous God can be. I will share one funny story with you guys. So John moved from Georgia, I told you guys that, and he actually was working for a man named Jimmy Gerald. Um, Jimmy was, uh, he's a big guy, um, and um, I worked for him. I did his bookkeeping for him, and he didn't like John's girlfriend, and so, and he called her Moo Cow. Not very nice. And she's a beautiful girl. But regardless, he didn't like her because he was not, she was not willing to share John as often as Jimmy wanted to spend time with John. Go eat dinner, go hang out, stuff like that. So anyway, I'm doing the books, and um, he starts like giving me and John these weird jobs to do together. Like, hey, why don't y'all go run inventory? I want you to do this, I want you to do that. And it's like, okay, whatever. Well, he comes up to me, he's like, hey, Ash, 
I don't like that girl. I just don't like her. She ain't wife material. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I got you. He said, um, I, I think you'd be a good wife for John. I said, Jimmy, I don't mess with guys that have boyfriends. I don't, I don't, I don't do, I mean, sorry. <laughs> Okay, I will tell you, one of the things I was supposed to tell you guys before I started speaking is that I am not supposed to make quotes or anything like that because I will absolutely mess them up. Do not let me quote you. Don't. Or sayings or anything like that. Um, so anyway, um, I try not to quote scripture either because I, I put my place in the place of Jesus. It gets all jumbly, but anyway. I know who he is, I know who I am. But so anyway, um, he said, I like you, Ash. I like how you are. I, I think you'd be good wife material. I was like, well, thanks, Jimmy. I appreciate that. He's like, I was like, but I'm not playing with him because he has a girlfriend. You get what I'm saying? He's like, oh, you don't think you can get him? I was like, no, man, I can get him. I, what are you talking about? So background on me, I'm from Alabama, right? Well, in Alabama, there's two great teams. There's Auburn and there's Alabama. Well, my dad's an Alabama fan. And so you were taught very early to be very competitive. So as quiet as I am and as many things that you won't see me doing, I'm highly competitive. So Big Jimmy is like, you can't get them. I'm like, big man, bring it on. He said, I tell you what, I'll bet you $500 you can't get that boy away from that girl. And I said, you're on. I got him. <laughs> so, he's amazing. And he makes me laugh like this all the time. So most of these tears, honestly, I mean, God Almighty, he's so funny. But anyway, a generous marriage. A generous marriage is full of sacrifice and it's full of love. And those are just, oh, great words, Ash. But sacrifice meaning doing what you don't want to do, regardless of what the other one's going to do back for you. And he loves me endlessly when I haven't been perfect and when I'm still not perfect. And he forgives me daily whenever I don't even ask, and I'm sure I should. And so every day I know that when I lay my head down on my pillow next to this man, I know his eyes were only for me. I know his heart is only for God. And a true generous marriage is one that serves God with all of his heart or all of her heart so that she can give that to her mate completely and wholly. And that's my take on that. But I did win this guy. I'm going to share one last thing, just a, a quote that has kept me going all year. And it's, it's, it's something that I think makes a difference is that it's more important what you become than what you achieve. And the big question is, what are you going to become in pursuit of what you want? And generous giving, if you're around these people, it will change what you become. Thank you.